Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 53rd episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me today is Alan. Hey, me. Random fact number four, the Castle Ravenwood event sold out super early this year, so it's becoming a thing. So that's really exciting. I didn't yeah. know that you are you the host is that what is is that what yeah yeah so the castle actually hires me to host the 50 plus people in the castle and they have a village next to it and my personal opinion is the village is kind of cooler than the castle because the village looks like something right out of a Grimm's fairy tale but once all those rooms sell out the rooms equal tickets and so it's just an entire weekend of social experiments they call it but it's just me playing and play testing a bunch of my big social games of like 50 plus players. Awesome. Speaking of fairy tales, we have Chris Bryan here. <laughs> the, the smoothest transition ever for me. Sometimes I, I hit him out of the park. Most of the time, not so much. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I don't know when this is going out, but the Rangers just got destroyed in our first postseason game of the season against the Blue Jays. So I could be better. But aside from that, pretty good. All right. All right. Sports. Sports. Daryl Andrews, if he listens, he'll be excited because he <laughs> likes the Blue Jays. So uh, like the last couple episodes here, oh, this is a podcast about board games, tabletop games, games you can play on or underneath your table. Just like the last couple podcasts, we have another guest. Uh, Sean is still dead. Uh, if, dead. if I'm not mistaken, out for another week or two before we get him back. But Chris has taken some time out to join us. Chris is with uh, Board With Life, and we will dive into that in a second here. But same format as the last couple shows. We're going to be just kind of grilling Chris, getting to know him better, and and unraveling what uh, Moon Moonrat Media is. Is that what you guys still call yourselves? Yeah, that's what we call ourselves. I don't know what it is, but it's certainly what we call ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Before we dive in... I I just want to point out, Alan, I played a couple games. I'm just going to mention what the games are, but I know I get a lot of flack for not playing stuff. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. I mean, anytime you play anything, I feel like we should really exploit that fact. I know, right? Uh, I played Tada. I played Skull, which I think is what used to be called Skull yeah. and Roses. And yeah. I played Cosmic Encounter. Encounter, mm. Encounters. Which we've talked about, but I'm assuming you didn't play. Is the Game of Thrones version even out? Is that even out uh, yet? I don't believe it's out yet. I don't think so. Ah, yeah. So we've talked about that plenty before, but whew, man, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe later. Maybe later, yeah. The da and what was the other one? I already forgot. Skull? Skull! Yeah, Skull. That's considered the the one of the most basic bluffing games. Yeah. I really enjoy that game. But we're here for Chris. So let's start. Uh, let's start with an easy question, I guess. What is Moon, Man, Moon Rat Media? I'm sorry. What is Moon Rat Media and how did you guys get together? Because most of our listeners are probably most of your listeners or I don't know. You tell me, but you guys made a YouTube series and I feel like it gained a lot of attention really fast. Yeah. Uh, Moon Rat Media is uh, kind of a collective of creative people um, in, that I'm friends with that... We formed Moonrite Media to make a web series called Board with Life that is a narrative comedic web series about a group of board game friends. So as opposed to 
um, most kind of video content in the board game sphere that is playthroughs or reviews. Ours was a show um, kind of like The League, if you're familiar with that, uh, was to fantasy football. Our show was to board games, where it certainly has a lot of board game in-jokes, but it's primarily about a group of people that play board games more than the board games themselves. Um, so we formed Moonrat Media to do that. We also did bits, which were like little sketches based around uh, board games. We did a whole bunch of those. Um, under the umbrella, I also do weekly board game news videos, and we have uh, podcasts where we play Dungeons and Dragons, um, and we are expanding out into publishing uh, probably next year. But um, yeah, we're certainly primarily known for the Board with Life web series. You guys are all from Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. That's Sean's neck of neck of the woods. So Sean lives right by you. And yeah, this is one thing. This is why I'm really jealous of Sean is because he lives in like this Mecca of amazing people, especially since True. Plaid Hat moved down there. Cause you got mm-hmm. Isaac Vega, you got Colby, you got, you've got the board with life crew. And yet here he is dead, not celebrating on a weekly basis with you guys. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that would be potential. Cause you know, Sean, Sean, but I feel like if I lived where Sean lives whether you guys would like it or not, I'd be that annoying friend that everyone would probably talk shit about behind his back because I'd show up even if I wasn't invited. What are we doing this week, guys? I mean, I did play games with Sean like last weekend. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe well, two weekends ago. Yeah. But how's he, uh, how's he decomposing? Is he looking good? Uh, yes, he's, uh, you know, human-ish looking for the most part. Gotcha. Uh, cool. What did you guys play? Uh, we played, let's see, with Sean via Nebula. Um, he also played uh, something else with us via Nebula. He helped playtest our game, and that's all that he played with us. Gotcha. But via Nebula, that one's new. That one's good. Yeah, man. So jelly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the people I make Board with Life with and the people in Moonrat Media are, um, most of us went to film school together, like, 10 years ago. Um, and we were a group of people that made films and liked playing board games. And we decided to do a web series. So those two things meshed pretty well. So, um, it's just a group of friends that I've had, um, from doing film work for a long, long time. That's where my question was going to lead into. So you answered it, but skipped it to follow up with that. How did season one come to be? Because I feel like that's when I heard about you guys and started discovering you and everything. And I feel like at that, that time you were, you were kind of blowing up on Reddit and stuff and r slash board games. But obviously you guys planned season one, you wrote a script, you filmed it, you produced it, but how, how did you get it out there? What was, what was the mindset to that? Before season one of board with life, we'd been making films and we had made a couple feature films and some short films. Um, And we were doing the kind of normal, you know, when I was growing up, how all the filmmakers did it, like Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith and all those guys that were like indie filmmakers that made it, where you made a film and you went to film festivals. And then there was a point in time where you could be a nobody and do that. Not actually, Quentin Tarantino didn't really do that. Let's say Kevin Smith um, made a film (laughs) as a nobody with without any famous people and it played at festivals and that was how it worked. Um, we found, uh, as I'm sure young people that if they're into film listening to this already know, like the stuff that goes to Sundance, isn't like independent film, meaning like I finance this with credit cards anymore. They're like, you know, 
$2 million made by small studios that do this kind of thing, pictures for the most part. Um, so the film festival circuit was really frustrating. We would, we did decently in getting into film festivals, but then you kind of show the film to that room of a hundred people. And then we never got picked up for distribution or anything. So then it was years of work and tons of money for very little payoff. Um, so we were pretty frustrated with that. And then around that same time, we met, um, Ashley and Anthony Birch. Ashley's on the show. She plays Michelle, my character's girlfriend. Um, and they had a very successful web series, very way more successful than ours called, Hey Ash, what you playing? Um, and their, uh, professional lives were going way better than ours and they were way younger than us. So we went, Oh, we'll do that. Duh. Um, so we decided we would make a web series just so more people could see it. Um, we decided that it would be really important to connect to some sort of, um, subculture on the internet, because if you just make a, you know, web series, that's kind of like a sitcom or something, you know, just like about a group of people that are friends, um, you've got to have a way to get eyes on that. And the internet is really big and there's a lot of, uh, noise on the internet. So we were, trying to think what we are going to make it about. And we were like, I mean, we like video games, but not nearly as much as like people on the internet, like video games. And we like (laughs) movies, but like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. And we like comics, but like, again, not nearly as much as the internet likes comics. So like it was took a kind of stupid long time for us to realize, because we had been playing board games all along and we were like, Oh wait, like board games are a perfect formula for that. We know a lot about them. We like them a lot. And that's, a group of people sitting around a table, which is basically the exact same format as any other like normal sitcom that we were trying to do where normally it'd be at a bar or a coffee shop. And instead of that, we just put it around a game table and board games are really good because they have like built in conflict in them. So it was really easy to kind of play out on screen things that were going on. Yeah. So season one, we did just off of that and we hadn't really done anything on the internet beforehand. So when you found out about us at the beginning of season one was basically when that all happened and it was received incredibly well, like immediately by the board game community, I think because we were filling a void that hadn't previously been filled. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And we were coming at it with filmmaking backgrounds. So immediately our production value is better than everybody else's just because we've, that's what we do professionally. Like every single one of us works in the film industry um, outside of the show. So I think especially season two, once we had a little bit of money to work with, thanks to our Kickstarter, um, we were really able to like kind of push the production values up um, even more than you see on kind of like standard web content. Not as much as you see. on. I would say even some television content, man, because season two, oh my goodness, there were, I was that idiot, not exaggerating when you did the preview and it was the dead of winter episode. Enjoyed it more than any movie I'd seen at the theater that year. So Thank you. it was crazy. Of course, I'm totally biased because I'm in the industry and I know you guys. But personally, I walked away mind totally blown like, oh, my goodness. This Thanks. is amazing. Yeah, there were there were parts of season two that episode uh, specifically where we like production wise did what we wanted to do, which is rare, like pre like beforehand. Normally, when we make stuff, we're like really tough critics on it, but we're really proud of season two and we think we did a really good job. And it was weird about that same time, um, Master of None, the Aziz Ansari Netflix show came out and that show is better acted, better written, better a lot of things. But I it was the first time I ever was like looking at a thing and I was looking at it and going like, man, if I had shot this, it would look better than it looks like I think that show is shot sort of poorly. And so 
that was a really interesting thing to be like, my show looks better than like the TV I'm watching and enjoying. <laughs> and like, I think that's a good show, but like it, it was a very weird ad- and you know, it's better than ours on a lot of levels, but in terms of strict production value, like ours looks better than that. And they have money and famous people. <laughs> sure. Sure. Before we get to season two, Obviously, season one was somewhat successful for you guys since you did do a season two, but walk me through the, you, you, you guys decided to do five episodes, you followed up with a Kickstarter. What was, the, what was the initial goal? And what I mean by that is, how did you decide on five? How did you decide on the length? How did you decide your target audience? Because I, don't, I wouldn't say that the show applies to a non-board gamer. I think a non-board gamer could watch it and enjoy it, but... I would be hesitant to say that Board With Life, the series, would introduce somebody to wanting to play board games. But maybe you guys would say differently. Not necessarily. Uh, The way we... All right, let me unpack each one of those. So the way we arrived (laughs) at five episodes is we were going to do 12 episodes for the first season because we're stupid and don't have any idea what we were doing. Uh, And then we quickly went like, oh, never, never mind. We're not doing 12 episodes. That's stupid. Um, so we had had kind of, uh, two story arcs that we were going to do in the first season. And so we just kind of cut it in half and stopped it halfway through, um, before we shot the stuff, not like we stopped production or anything. And then our episode, our episodes in this first season are like 13 to 15 minutes long, um, which is long for web content, uh, but short for board game web content, especially at that time. Like now a lot of the reviewers have gotten their stuff down like in the 10 minute range. But like back then reviews were like at least 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. If not you can say painful, painful. Yeah. I mean, I, just uh, longer, longer than they needed to be. Right. Um, I, I still think board game reviews are longer than they need to be. You can see yeah. a review on any video game and it would be shocking if that video game went past that video game review went past four minutes. Right. Well, and that's the thing, too, is like board game reviews because of where they came from. So like early Dice Tower stuff, Scott board games with Scott, they are showing you how to play the board game and then reviewing it, which is not how other media works. Like nobody's telling you ha- like the mechanics of playing a video game. They're talking about what's good and what's bad and showing you parts of it. And I think board game media has split off a little bit more, but I think that the expectation is still I like if I'm going to the dice tower, people want to see like 7 minutes of kind of the rules explanation and then 2 minutes of actual review where I don't. Like I go I I watch that content separately. Like if I want to learn a game, I go watch, watch it played. If I want to see a game played, I watch Rado runs through, you know? So like board games are just weird. It's just board game media is weird. And it's because the audience is way broader than a lot of other audiences. You could have um, said I, weird as well. well you could say it's weird, weird but like, weird and weird. so are like a lot of audiences, but like it's, it's broader, not in like that we're a ton of different cultures and genders because really we're mostly white guys. Um, But it's one of the only hobbies that the people that are excited about it range in age pretty equally from like 15 to 60, you know, like video games have a window, but like I'm at the North end of the window in my early thirties. So I think it, it just has, it has a different audience. That's very interesting um, for the internet. Did I, so, I, I know I put a bunch of questions on you, but 
to add on to that pile of questions, did you discover the audience after you started making it or like during season one, after season one, do at one point where you're like, who are we making this for? Uh, for, for me, I'll be honest yeah. for me, I freaking yeah. love that show and was starstruck when I first met you guys, which is a whole nother story. <laughs> Sean had no idea. I had to pull him into the garage and we started binge watching some episodes. It's like, you have to know who these people are if you're going to hang out with them. So I showed them a couple of ep- him, a couple episodes, and then he walked back in acting like he knew all of your shit. So, <laughs> on. yeah, no, I, um, I, so we, we had an intent. Our audience turned out to be way cooler than we were really initially expecting. Um, and way more interesting. And we honest, we totally honestly say like that we have the coolest fans. We don't even like using the word fans. Cause it's like not that sort of relationship. Um, which, you know, the board game industry is small, so there's very few things, um, that are like that, but we, I mean, we certainly like, we're aware of the media, um, and board game geek and all that stuff and had been active or I mean, sort of active board game geeks hard. I'm still barely active on board game geek, but trolling, not trolling. Sorry. What's the, what am I looking for? Uh, stalking, stalking. No, it's where, where I predatorial activities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, oh, what is that word? Anyways, Smell, sniffing. I, sm- I was smelling Board Game Geek. I would use Board Game Geek, but I don't like post on there. I wasn't like an active member of the forums and stuff, but I would use it all the time. Oh, uh, yeah, there is a term for that. It's someone who silently follows things, but doesn't really participate that much. I don't yeah. remember the term. Yeah. But we'll say sniffing. I like that. Okay. <laughs> I was big into sniffing Board Game Geek. Sure. Um, As you are. And I, it, <laughs> I've been watching, you know, board game videos on YouTube since like back in the Board Games with Scott days. I was expecting our audience to um, be not nearly as big as fast and not like cool people that I want to hang out with um, because I wasn't a part of the industry. I didn't know that there's actually a lot of cool people in the industry. I hadn't gone to conventions and things like that. So I was just totally unaware and basing that simply on like my own initial prejudices uh, with incorrect assumptions about people who play board games, which is true for most people who aren't a part of kind of the inner circle. They think that people that play board games are weird losers. Um, and we are, and it's great. And so we then made the show and immediately it was just tons of cool people. Um, we realized that there was this whole kind of pocket in the industry of really funny, interesting people that really championed the show and got behind it um, at the beginning. And, you know, as I said earlier, that the fact that we were making a thing that nobody was doing in the board game industry, I think worked really well. So people were just really excited and supportive, even like our board games, which in by Reddit standards is a very civil threat, you know, place on Reddit compared (laughs) to the rest of Reddit, which is basically just like a flaming pile of trash. But our board games compared to, you know, day to day life is still pretty harsh. Like it's still a part of Reddit. Um, and if something's not good, people have no problem like tearing it down. But even there, like people were just excited about it and happy for it. And like 95% of the comments were positive, which we were really surprised by. So finishing season one, having, you know, go from zero to a hundred pretty much overnight with, with the series, is there anything you would have looked back on and changed or that you did change going into season two? Um, yeah, there's stuff I would have changed if I did it again, um, maybe, I don't know the way we ended season one was something I really, really wanted to do. Um, and I would have, we, 
we normally don't internally fight very much about um, kind of like the narrative, the way a narrative is going to go. Normally, like whoever's most passionate about it, we're like, cool, we'll just defer to you. And without flat out spoiling the end of season one for people that haven't seen it, um, there, you know, there's some dramatic shit that happens. Uh, sorry, y'all cuss on this, right? Am I allowed to cuss? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure, you know, some of us are giving it to you. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so there's some dramatic shit that happens. And uh, I it, initially it was even harder than it is. And people were shocked at how hard it was. And, and in retrospect, we did it way too quickly. We didn't we hadn't built up the characters enough to do what we did to them. So we wound up lessening it a little bit. But um, I would have changed that. But then going into season you would have two kept on running with it. Is that what you're suggesting? You would have even up the drama more. Is that what I'm yeah. reading between the lines? Nice. Well, it, it was, and we did little things that we, in post, that we had planned for if we needed to, to lessen it, um, to give people a little bit of a break from it. And we did pull that trigger. Uh, I was going to say, because the whole Jonathan Bruce thing was pretty intense, I thought, even yeah, though it resolved too, quickly. Yeah. yeah. So I think we just earned it better in season two. We always wanted to make a show that was a comedy that had some actual, you know, life to it. Um, Cause we're just not, that was what we were interested in making. Right. I don't think, you know, not necessarily it's the right decision for the show. It's just, if we're making it, we're going to make stuff that's interesting to us. So we did that. Um, and again, like those are all my episodes, like the ones that I wrote and directed are the ones that do that. Um, then season two, we definitely knew that we wanted to, make it look better a lot better um and we wound the up kickstarter helped with that i assume yes uh, the kickstarter the helped a lot uh with that and also we just spent i mean we spent two years making it so that's why um so we made the episodes longer which was certainly the wrong choice for the internet uh but again more of the right choice for us because this is we kind of you know there was still a hope that like magically somebody would see it that had some sort of power and go like, Hey, network television. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that's the thing is like people that don't understand how the industry works all the time, see our show and go like, man, why don't you go out, like put it on Netflix? It's like, yeah, that's not how Netflix works. Like (laughs) they they have like famous people making shows or like Amazon. It's like, uh, they're hiring like Woody Allen to make shows for them. So I don't think they need us. Um, where TV just went, to those places like the people that are making those shows are the same people that were making network television shows. Uh, they're just doing it on streaming services. It's not like magically they started picking up web stuff. I mean, aside from like rocket jump that got a sort of show on Hulu, but rocket jump, you know, has like millions of subscribers and it was like unbelievably popular. That's just not really how the industry works. So we were hoping that maybe there would be someone out there that would see it and go like, these guys know how to make a show. And it's still, you know, like if we ever in those meetings, we can go like, here's an idea for a show and here's what it would look like if we made you a show because we've done it before. So that was kind of a selfish decision where we made the episodes like standard sitcom length so that we could do that and we could explore more stuff with the characters. Um, And, you know, season two was not as watched as season one. Uh, So I think that's part of it is because people go like, oh, yeah, I'll watch this dumb show on the Internet. And they go like 25 minutes. Yeah, right. (laughs) I was. I was going to bring that up because 
episode one of season one had 52,000 views and, you know, whatever, however people want to interpret YouTube views, you know, do what Mm -hmm. you will. Uh, But season two started off with 25,000 views and then season two ended with only 8,000 views. And I don't know how, I'm sure that was a bit of a bummer to you and your team because clearly way more work and way more time and way more money went into season two. But how was that reaction on your guys' end? It wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, like, yeah, of course we wanted it to do better, but like it was a relief because we could go like, cool, we don't need to make a season three. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we already, it, the worst, the worst case would be if it got like more popular than season one, but not a lot. Like if we're like dealing with a hundred thousand views where that's still not enough for anybody to care about you on YouTube, right? Like there I've heard, I don't know what these numbers come from, whatever I've heard from people that know that the point at which anybody starts caring is if you have a video that has a million views or you have 60,000 subscribers. Oh, um, okay. I've, I heard that videos with 300,000 views slash 300,000 subscribers is where you need to be. But I mean, like I'm sure down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, if I had a video with a million views or a bunch of videos with 300,000 views, I bet I'd feel that way. But like, I don't know. We're nowhere close. So like, I don't know. Um, like our most popular video has like 100,000 views. And so if it, you know, if we were getting like 100,000 views per episode, like that would be not enough to actually help us professionally, but enough that we're like, we would feel obligated to make a season three. Um and we wanted to make a season three, but like literally in the course of production of season two, every single core cast member um, got married or had a baby um, or both in that time. So like our lives just got way more complicated. We just didn't have time um, to do it. And so seeing that it didn't do as well, we were like, cool, we can like walk away. We don't feel like we're like missing out on an opportunity and like maybe we'll do something Someday we're pivoting. We're doing the D and D podcast. We really enjoy doing that, and it's something that we can like do and not kill ourselves to make. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, like we worked really hard on it, but we're really proud of it. So like, it's fine. I it, there wasn't really like a huge. It wasn't. It wasn't particularly like upsetting to us or anything, uh, because you know it's the internet, and we have videos that are you know twenty five minutes long about characters that. 8,000 people watched, which is still crazy. I also uh, often I play in bands and I'll put myself in the context of like, man, if I was in a band and I played in a stadium and like if I played a show for 8,000 people, that would be crazy <laughs> where it's like, I feel super successful if there are 200 people there. So I try to put like that level of like success in context where it's like YouTube, you're up against people that are making videos that are getting 5 million views. But at the same time, like we're still getting like tens of thousands of views on stuff. And that's pretty cool. Good outlook to pivot a little bit now. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. I love your segues. SBJ. Keep going. You're killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> I, uh, to so pivot, of fairy tales. Uh, to pivot, to pivot off of that. So you finished season two, you're doing the D and D podcast, which I want to talk about. But you also recently launched not one, but two Patreons, which I guess yeah, my, well, my first question is, why didn't you just launch one? But uh, I'm sure you have a reason. Yeah. Um, well, we launched two simultaneously because we didn't 
So we do a couple different things, and we launch two Patreons. One of them is for the Dungeons & Dragons podcast, and one of them is for the weekly board game news. And we didn't want people to feel like we were, like, wanting them to spend twice the money by, like, having one come out, and it's, like, somebody that, say, really likes the board game news and then kind of likes the D&D podcast would maybe donate to the board ga- or to the D&D podcast in order to, like, support the whole of everything, um, even though it's not for that or vice versa. So by doing them both literally launching at the exact same time, it's like if somebody really likes my board game news and wants to support me, they can support the board game news. And if they don't like the Dungeons and Dragons podcast, that's fine. They don't have to support it um, and vice versa. And then also, like the board game news I'm in charge of, um, and I do that literally entirely by myself like no, nobody else in in the group is involved with that so it is i write it i shoot it i edit it i everything i do um whereas like the dungeons dragon podcast is more collaborative and donald's in charge of that um donald who is our dungeon master on that um and so it was just an easier way to like know what money should go where and also just you know, different people are in charge of it, even though it's like under an umbrella. We want to treat Moonrat Media eventually um, as an umbrella that has other things on it, like not even necessarily things that we're doing, just things we think are cool. We just have never gotten to that point. Um, but yeah, that's why we did two Patreons. Got it. And man, their Patreon, Dungeons Dragons, doing way better than my Patreon. <laughs> oh, that was going to be my next question is, so you don't want it to sound like a competition, but if it was, yeah. who's winning? Well, certainly the Dungeons Dragons one, by far. It's got, I don't know, way more money, like six times as much money. Um, but that's fine, too. I mean, I'm a part of that one, and I that makes total sense. I think that that has you know, more people involved in it, and it's funny. Um, where it's like the board game news, I try to make it watchable and entertaining, but it's like, I'm providing a service to people, right? Like, um, and it's, I think harder to get excited about somebody that's just going like, Hey, I brought you your newspaper. Um, as opposed to like a group of people that are like making jokes and having fun. And like, I think also listening to the Dungeons Dragons podcast, because episode after episode, it's the same campaign. Listeners feel, you know, invested in it emotionally and like our characters and stuff. So I think it's way easier to like, get behind that. And the Dungeons Dragon podcast is just way more popular. Like way more people listen to that than watch the board game news. Alan, did you have any questions? I don't want to cut you off. I just have a couple more, but let me put you on the spot. Uh I have a lot of questions actually, but they're not even my questions, sirs. They're questions from listeners because I said, hey, we're gonna have Chris Bryan on. Anyone have any questions? So let me ask you, Chris. You ready for me to shotgun some questions at you? you can I am. Answer them. You can bypass them, answer them as quick as you can, or if you really feel like it, go into details. Oh, before right. before you do that, Alan, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. where can our listeners, what's the Patreon address? Okay, uh, my Patreon is patreon.com slash Games. Uh, it's the same as my everything. And then the Board With Life Radio one is slash BWL Radio. So if you want to support me on either of those, it's very much appreciated. There you go. Back to you, Alan. All right. Are you ready for this, Chris? I think so. Lindsay Saxton. She asks, my friend swears that when his beard is fully grown, it bestows plus two to his dice rolls. Does your beard bestow any superpowers? Uh, certainly not plus two to my dice rolls. 
Um, it makes my wife complain about the length of my beard more. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I f- it's a weird thing where like I n- I feel objectively like I am less attractive when I have a big beard, but I like the way I look a lot more. Um, which used to be a conflicting thing when I was more attractive when I was younger um, and single. It was tough for me because it's like I look, I like the way I look more, but I don't think I look as good. Um, but now that I'm like older and married and it's not as big an issue. Uh, now, now you look sexier than ever, sir. Yeah. You're off well, the market and now everyone wants you. Yeah. What I really want is a mustache, but I look terrible with a mustache. Uh, and everyone agrees that I look terrible with a mustache, but it's way funnier. Um, so that's what <laughs> I really want. And I shaved into a mustache earlier this year, and I'm thinking about doing it again. But well, hey, you know, November's no. coming up, and you've heard that's of true. Movember, right? That's true. And I, that's the time of VGGCon. You you want to do like a Movember thing? I'll go in it with it if you want. We can do some pre picks, build up to VGGCon, and then I show off. You don't know? Not brave enough. I, huh? I look so dumb. And it's it's winter. <laughs> it's like I always feel dumb if I do it in the winter because it's like I grow this beard. I'm in the Texas heat in the summer, and then I shave it off for the winter, and my face is cold. Anyways, so no, uh, my beard does nothing nothing good in my life. People man. talk about it a lot, though. I grew a beard or a mustache for November one year. There's still amazing pictures, and my wife was so pissed. She said, you're not allowed to grow a beard. And I said, but it's for charity because I actually had people donate money uh, for my mustache. And Uh, the crazy thing was I grew it out and she ended up loving it. And even just last week, she said, I kind of miss your mustache. So, well, but I bet you grow like an insane beard. You'd have an amazing beard. Yeah, people, my friends in Portland keep on trying to convince me to grow my beard out because I shave and by five o'clock, it looks like I'm already starting one. So, yeah. Testosterone. <laughs> All right. Uh, you ready for your next question, sir? I am. Stephen Avery, a fan of the show. He's been on a couple times, hosted. He has a question, and he already has a built-in response. I'm not sure if you've even seen these. They were posted publicly on Facebook, but he I asked, not read them, no. what is your favorite color? Oh, man. Uh, purple. I'll say purple because I always Wrong. play as purple. That's his built-in response. Oh, Wrong. The yeah. ten, the it's supposed to be the what blue no green. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Or green yep. no blue. I don't know, but purple. Uh, yeah, purple's my player color. Yeah. Hey, SBJ, what's your player color? Do you have a preference? Uh, I usually try to go for the purple, uh, but Irene also likes purple, so uh, then I usually go with the black and white, and then I uh, make a interracial joke. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned to go for the leftovers, whichever color people don't choose, because host. And usually that ends up being yellow. So now I'm officially yellow. So now I actually just grab yellow. So yeah. I've been yellow for years. Well, um, most games don't have purple. So I wind up with the leftovers. But Alex Cavern's my favorite designer because every single one of his games has purple because purple's his player color. Uh, uh, and every, uh, I'm going to like have in contracts for every game I make. It will have a purple player color. And I've actually <laughs> in all my prototypes, I have. I put purple uh, colors, but I'm not going to do that anymore because I let, you know, if I'm like pitching it to a publisher, I of course let them pick cause I'm not going to whatever, but then sometimes they'll pick purple and I'll like move their pieces the whole game. Cause I'm always purple when there is a purple. So I can't do that anymore. 
Oh, man. I thought you said you're doing your own publishing now. Are you doing a little bit of both? Publishing your uh, own? Yeah. Scouting? Oh. Yeah, there's... We're trying to do a very specific thing with our brand, and only some of the stuff I intend to make is in that. Um, so yeah, I, I plan to do both. Next question isn't really a question. It's Will from the B team just sent, uh, I don't know what you call it, but the lovey face, the smiley face with hard eyes. So I think mm-hmm. he loves you. That's uh, good. BK has a very specific question. How often will you and your crew release episodes of D and and Q and a, I don't know. It's not <laughs> up to me. It's up to Donald. I think ideally we want to do one a month. Um, I know he had some scheduling issues with getting other guests on and stuff like that. I, I think it's cool. Um, what is it? And what I is think, it for our listeners? Um, D and D and Q and a beyond being, uh, the best name of a podcast segment ever is uh a thing i didn't come up with it that was all donald um is basically um talking about tips techniques uh for dungeon mastering or playing dungeons and dragons along with um like the most recent episode that i was on we talked about storm king's thunder and the new unearthed arcana ranger so we're talking about kind of you know stuff that's going on with like wizards of the coast releases and what we thought of them and Things like that. So it's just kind of like a talk show about Dungeons and Dragons um, that is not like I know Donald wants to make it more about like having somebody that's like an author and talk about world building and things like that. So it's not directly like this is how you make a really strong fighter. It's more like here are like ideas to think about. Um, So, yeah. The way I thought of the show is if you've seen The Walking Dead after The Walking Dead, they have The Talking Dead, mm-hmm. except you don't really plot spoil so people can still listen to the adventure. And my little crush on you, by the way, let's get that out of the way right now, mm-hmm. is that I'm a fan of you. In fact, I still claim to be the number one Board With Life fan because, man, I watch those shows and I still do. But when I got to meet you guys, I was fan crushing and you guys are hilarious. Uh, and you and Donald have an amazing dynamic. And then there's Nikki. Everyone's amazing. But I love the dynamic you and Donald have because you're both insanely funny. And I'm not sure if you guys realize this behind your backs. There's definitely a commentary on who's funnier, Donald oh. or Chris, because they're very complimentary. Donald's very saturated. You're very dry. So it makes a very good duo. But here's the maybe blasphemy thing. And this is just my own personal opinion. I've listened to both the D&D podcast. I'm a subscriber. And I've listened to D&D and Q&A. Mm-hmm. I can't get enough of D&D and Q&A. Especially this last episode where you guys were dissecting the ranger. Just mm-hmm. call me geek, but it was just really, really compelling. And it's just like its own meaty thing on its own without any back talk. It was just really it reminded us. It reminded me of a solid just talk show of people really diving into the material. So props, yeah. props, man. Good. Thank you. Hey, and no I'm problem. funnier than Donald. No question. No. <laughs> yeah. no. <laughs> uh, We're both. We both talked way too much. We're both similar personalities in our sense of humor. Um, so. Oftentimes, our when we're together, our rapport is that we're both just screaming as many jokes as quickly as possible at each other over one another. 
and we don't like wait for them to hit or anything. It's just literally like who can get to the joke first and just get it out just so that we got there first. So it's a terrible like dynamic, but uh, yeah, it's how we are. Well, I hate to tell you this. If Sean and I get a divorce, uh, I claimed you and he claimed Donald. So you're, you're mine. So whatever that means as creepy as that is. All right. Sam Beard. She asked, by the way, oh, Sam Beard, an apology because I was supposed to go to her pirate party and I couldn't because I had car problems. So I'm really sorry about that, Sam. She wanted me to bring Captain Chessbeard. But she asks, how often do you guys play games and have game nights? Um, I personally uh, have standing game nights three a week. And then often on weekends we play games. So like um, the board with life people, um, I'll often play games with Donald and Nikki. Um, and that's only, they have a kid now and they live about an hour away from me. So we'll maybe get once a month in aside from that, um, Donald and I are working on, you know, producing games together. So we play test a lot together um, outside of that. Um, but we'll usually play about once a month. I personally then have a game night in Denton where I live which is about an hour north of Dallas um, with some of my Denton friends. And then I have um, Plaid Hat has a game night that I often go to. And then Dallas Games Marathon has game nights that I often go to. So on a good week, when I can, I play four nights a week, uh, but I usually play at least once a week. Damn. Nice work, sir. Hey, you know when the Plaid Hat game nights are, SBJ? I'm assuming they're on Tuesday night. They are on Tuesday nights. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. It's the best time to have a game night. <laughs> but uh, the other questions I had were mostly questions you had answered. Like a lot of people said, Bored with Life, Season 3, you tackled that. So yeah. that exhausts the questions I had in the shotgun for you. Thank you so much for answering our listeners' sure. questions. We'd like to do a Season 3. Just circling back around to that. I don't mean to make it sound like we weren't excited about doing season three. Just our lives do not allow us to do season three at this point. So hopefully magically someday. Unless we can. a giant sum of money drops. Yeah. In your it would head. just have to be, it would just have to be such an unreasonable amount of money because like it would mean like at least five people would have to be able to like quit their jobs. So like, it's just an impossible amount of money. But uh, yeah, if somebody wants to give us that much money, we'll make it. We'll do it. <laughs> I promise. Hey, What's the name of your board game company going to be? Is it going to be Moonrat Games or it is Moonrat Games? Yeah. Sweet, sweet, yeah. awesome. We are really good at keeping the show to about a half hour. Uh, so. You are real bad at having me on the show then, because <laughs> I talk way too much. That's totally cool. I want I want you to talk a little bit more. What have you uh, currently been playing? Uh, let's see. Uh, Via Nebula, I played last weekend. That's um, the new one by, um, oh man, his name is escaping me. He did um, Brass, oh man, uh, Martin Wallace. Um, and it's a really light pick up and deliver game um, with really nice artwork. And I really like it. It's just a pleasant little uh, game. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Quadropolis that came out like six months ago. I like that game a lot. It's like a sort of Sim, Sim, Sim City, the game. I just got Seafall in the mail, my pre-order in, so I'm cracking into that one. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but I'm doing that. Um, what else? I've been playing a lot of Isla Sky all year. I love that game. It's probably my favorite game of 2015, even though I incorrectly said it was my second favorite game of 2015 and put Orleans as my favorite, but in now a year in, I was wrong on that one. Um, and let's see, I just played, um, Mexica by, uh, Kiesling and Kramer and I had never played that game before. And I really, really liked that game a whole lot. So that's been what I've been playing of late. 
He plays games. Is your favorite type of game the Euro? Yeah, Euros. Um, yeah, I just the more I play games, the more I like kind of light midweight Euros. Again, like a 45 to an hour long Euro game. That can't be beat for me, but I'm into anything. Like there's like almost no game that I'm not super excited to play. It's just that if like I'm organizing game night or picking the games, those are generally the games that I'm going to pick. Um, but any game that like anybody wants to play, I'm more than happy to play. What about what what about games you don't like to play? Is there anything like the resistance or I'm trying to think of uh, other controversial controversial games, games? Games I will turn down are Munchkin. Um, a f- a fair fair choice. Yeah, it's just simple. You know, I like having fun, uh, <laughs> so I don't like Munchkin. Uh, <laughs> I, um, often games where you can gang up on someone, uh, dead last, I, like dead last. No, I, I liked dead last. Um, cause that is the game. Uh, <laughs> and dead last has the, the mechanic where if you know, you're going to get ganged up on, you can stop it. Cause the thing is, I mean, even a game like settlers of Catan, I don't like that much because generally in my game groups, all but one of my game groups, and that's not true. The ones I play with the most, I'm way better at games than they are. Like, it's just, I have a math brain and I'm good at that. So I win more often than not. So therefore, people gang up on me, which is totally fine if I'm winning. Um, You should gang up on the winner to keep them from winning. But like, they'll gang up on me even if I'm not winning, just because the last two times I won. And that's really frustrating as a player. So like, a even a game like Settlers of Catan, like people just won't trade with me. So then it's like, well, this is not even a game for me then. Um, so obviously Munchkin is that very much. But um, Dead Last, I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. Because I like being mean in games if that's the like the nature of the game. It's, you know, but like in a game like Settlers of Catan, that's not what you're supposed to do. But, um, but then Munch- like if Munchkin lasted 15 minutes... I'd be fine with it, but Munchkin can last hours and it's awful. <laughs> um, I'm also not a fan of team games, cooperative games that don't have some sort of uh, way to stop quarterbacking. So like Pandemic, just vanilla Pandemic, I don't like very much because I quarterback games. Uh, and I know that that makes it less fun for everyone at the table, but it's not fun for me to sit there and play a game not to the best of my ability. And Pandemic is a solo game that multiple people play simultaneously. So if there's no sort of thing to keep you in line, uh, then I I just doesn't mesh well with how I am. But a game like Pandemic Legacy, where you had characters, you had different motivations, and you didn't know for sure what the correct decision was, um, I really liked that game because it fixed all that stuff. Or a game like Dead of Winter, where there's hidden traders, so you can't necessarily listen to everyone. Um, things like that I uh, enjoy way more. But yeah, awesome. Should we have yeah. an elevator pitch a game? SBJ elevator pitch a game. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you... he is a trained actor. That's so that's true. No, 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 no. I am a filmmaker that had to act because we knew actors <laughs> would not be reliable enough to do it. <laughs> well, there you go. We have a guest with acting experience true. on camera. Yeah. So I think it would almost be a waste, in my opinion. OK, I'll do I'll do Blood Rage then. Okay, Blood Rage, which we haven't had an elevator pitch for. I don't think any of us have actually explained Blood Rage. I don't, even, I, don't, I don't even know what it is. I've heard of it. 
Oh Good. wow, SPJ. Blood Rage. We got a Blood Does Rage. Does it have sometime. really bad art? It has really badass art. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's like like the art for what it like. It's not the type of art I like, but like it looks like it should be painted on the side of a van, which is fucking rad. All right. Uh, well, I guess you know, pitch it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What the so, twist, though, sir? Uh, do you know the twist of the elevator pitches? Is yes, you have to do it as a character. Oh. So, I'm thinking uh, Raging Barbarian. What are you thinking, SBJ? I mean, that's fine. So just relax and watch us torture Chris as he goes through this elevator pitch as a raging barbarian pitching Blood Rage. <laughs> and whenever you're ready, Chris, you just say, ding me, SBJ, and you have a minute. Okay. I guess ding me, SBJ. Hey, how's it going? Uh, my name's Chris. I have a great game uh, that I want to talk to you about. It's called uh, Blood Rage, and it is fucking awesome! It's fucking amazing! Have you ever seen the paintings on the side of a van with trolls crushing the skulls of the enemies? Well, this is that game. It turn on metal music, it makes your eyes bleed. It's got miniatures. One of the miniatures is literally sharp enough that I cut myself on it and actually literally bled on the game. Uh, that's a monster miniature, by the way. Uh, and it's got just fucking metal. It's metal music as a board game. Your Vikings are in Valhalla. You want to die just as much as you want to destroy your enemies because then you get to go to the halls of Valhalla and go in the... I just turned into Hulk Hogan. Like, oh, brother. <laughs> I got a game for you. Uh, something, something. I just got millions of dollars because of my sex tape. <laughs> the Blood Rage. You want Blood Rage, right? Because Hulk Hogan, sex tape, suit Yeah, doctor, no, right? I got the reference for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm sure SBJ did too, because a little thing about SBJ, wrestling fan. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, like wrestling, yes. There's a big crossover in wrestling fans and board game fans. They're really, I mean, like, I'm, not being, I'm not being facetious, that's true. No, 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 that's totally true. And I think that's probably what would sell Blood Rage even more if it's the pro wrestling of <laughs> Valhalla. Of Valhalla. So, what, what can I... Let's back up a second here. What kind of game is Blood Rage? Blood, Blood Rage is a uh, sort of area control game. It's a card drafting game. And um, you're all Vikings that are competing for whatever points for some thematic reason that I don't care about. Um, and you go around and you there's this board and you're trying to like conquer other people on the board. Um, but it, it's a weird game that is very like thematic and Ameritrashy looking and feeling, but it uses Euro mechanics. So um, you're drafting cards that like let you do different things on your turn um, and destroying other people. So my strategy uh, that's very effective uh, until people figure it out is entering a lot of battles with the intent of dying, and then your guys go to Valhalla, and then there are cards that you can get that will give you points for all of your guys that die in battle. So I just constantly go into battles, intentionally lose battles, and then I have all the glory from Valhalla. But it's it's an amazingly produced game. It has amazing miniatures, um, and there's all these like monsters and creatures that you can get. Uh, it's really cool. I like it a lot. I was really surprised I liked it, because it's not my type of game, but... Hmm. I mean, you won me over at card drafting. I'm a big fan of that yeah. mechanic. Well, there you go. I mean, it is at its core a card drafting game. It just is like, what if a card drafting game had a ridiculous board and <laughs> like a hundred miniatures? Sure. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So you play? That's good. I recommend it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that will wrap up our show. You're you guys are amazing. Thanks for hanging out. I thanks for having me. 
I would love to have Chris as our official Euro correspondent because Sean's supposed to be our RPG correspondent, but he died. So yeah. hopefully it'll come back. But yeah. uh, man, it's been fun. Been yeah, fun. Yeah, it has. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no yeah, problem. Thanks for playing uh, Sushi Go Party with me back at, uh, I think it was Gen Con. So thanks, man. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. Uh, Chris, where can our listeners, our Tuesday knaves, find you? They can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and now Patreon. Uh, I'm Chris Bryan Games on all of those. Uh, Brian with a Y, right? Brian with a Y. And they can also follow um, Board with Life. It's at I'm Board with Life on Twitter. And then Board with Life Radio is the podcast and the Patreon, BWL Radio. Cool, cool. Alan, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on the tweets and on Facebook because I've got a bad case of the lonelies. I'll accept any friend request. Also, every Monday I play video games online. So if you want to play some Overwatch, check it out. Whatever. Contact me. Let's play. It's Alan Gerding. A-L-A-N-G-E-R. Ding. Not even going to bring that up. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. You can follow the podcast or just Tuesday Night Games in general on Twitter at play thg it's also a good way to stay up to date with uh with the podcast because uh alan and sean rarely post on twitter um but i do when the podcast is uh arrived or is late or is whatnot uh, we got a winner from uh, from the second contest we did for leaving us a review swampy creek uh <laughs> left us a review in itunes this is the only podcast that i've listened to from episode zero to whatever number they are up to now I started in at episode 17 and was hooked from the awkward beginnings of Alan and SBJ in episode one. They developed a group <laughs> quickly. John, Alan, and SBJ offer a variety of gaming perspectives and perspectives on life. I love it all from Captain Chessbeard to the elevator pitches to SBJ's incredible accent work. This podcast is good times and I look forward to it every late Tuesday night. Even the B team is super fun. Hey, they talk about board games too. A huge variety. Each of the guys has their particular point of view and gaming wheelhouse. I think I've purchased more games based on their discussions, not their reviews, than any other podcast I've listened to. I've listened to, I also listen to Shut Up and Sit Down. Keep up the good work, guys, and keep on naving. I almost think that I wrote that. That was such a good review that it feels like I wrote it. I didn't, but that's how good the review sounds to me. Uh, wow, so, they even shouted out Captain Chessbeard. So the little things get you excited. <laughs> so Swampy Creek, uh, please email podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com and I will have Sean either send you a copy of Duel or a copy of Two Rooms and a Boom. Our next game giveaway will be on Twitter, so uh, come back next week, and I will explain the rules of how that will work. And uh, yeah, otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Alan, and thank you, Chris, for taking some time out. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. And good times. This episode is... <laughs> hey, Chris, say finished in your berserker voice. But if I don't, do we just get a hang here for infinity? Yeah, it's going to be Pretty amazing.
Okay. Finished. <laughs>